Most of the English manage with around 8,000. The same as the King James Bible. So the King James Bible has only got a vocabulary of 8,000. And then it, it goes on. No other language has so many different ways of saying the same thing. Eat your words. Just some. So, empty words in Matthew 7, verse 37. And then I started to consider the word empty. Like, I'm, I make quite a few jokes normally. And I started to, to think, like, does that mean that every joke I make might be empty? So I looked up the, the meaning of empty. And the two words, empty words, in Greek, it says, rema argos. Now, rema is for a specific word. The, the whole Bible is the logos. That's the words of God. And if there is a specific word that speaks to you, like this verse this time to me, We'll be judged by our empty words. That is a rhema. It, it's a very specific word. Argos stands for empty. So if you go to the Argos shop, <laughs> it actually means, where did I write it down? It, it means free from labor, unproductive, lazy, idle. So... That explains why you're not being served in the Argo shop. <laughs> so these are empty words. And, and the basic explanation that people give is if you talk negatively about something, if you give a negative word to someone, if, if you're criticizing, you know, all, all that sort of things, that is empty words. So a, a joke in its time, bless me, it's, it's not really an empty word, so that encourages me. <laughs> but negative examples. It, while we were at Bible college, we had, had an, uh, an experiment one time. We agreed between a couple of students that when a particular student would come into the class, we would all comment on this person's health. Like, you look so poorly. Is something wrong with you? You are a bit yellowish. So this person came in, and one after the other, with, with time in between, said, you really don't look very well, do you? And after a couple of hours, this person actually became physically sick. <laughs> That's the, the strength of your words. There's something that someone said to me while I was a teenager. I was on the ship, and there was probably joking as well all the time and one of the the shipper the ship uh, the boatsman he called me and and he told me you should wipe that grin off your face and i thought by myself what grin you know i'm always smiling but a phrase like that can stay with you and it can impact you negatively now there might be something in your life that years ago someone has said to you and it still eats away. Now, if that is the case, then really you should have someone pray for you. 
and, and get the, the curse from that particular phrase taken away from your life. It's, it's the power of words. Gossip, when, when you start gossiping, it can actually ruin someone's life. And it's known that people have taken their own lives because of a bad gossip going around in a church. The one that we, we probably all do is when you're driving your car and someone else does something bad and you go like, oh, stupid. No, I have learned this is something we should not say. <laughs> we should not call someone stupid because you actually put a curse on that people by calling him same names. And it, it helps much better if you go like, Oh, that wasn't very wise of you to do, was it? <laughs> it actually also helps your own heart. Because if you have a little phrase like that, it takes away the, the built-up anger and, and whatever that, that makes you angry to say something like this. You go, oh, well, that wasn't very clever. So you, you don't speak out the curse on the person, but you say something about the particular action that the person has carried on. And that goes for everyone. In, in your house, in the family, with your students, with your workmates, don't curse a person, but say something about what they have done. That is a much better approach. So words can be very bad. So the Bible is full of using words positively. I started to, uh, to search. I, I think it came like 600 references to words. And I printed a couple of these things out as well. Now, I'm not going to read them all. But just to show the importance of the words that we are using. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. But the perverse tongue crushes the spirit. We might have all had that. Someone comes to you and says something nice. And, and you kind of go like, oh, that is nice to you. A few weeks ago I was in the office and someone said, why don't you join the Open Doors Choir or something like that? And I go like, oh no, my voice, you know, if, if I start singing everybody will run out of the church or out of the office. And, and, and then that person went like, oh, I think that you really have a very nice voice. And I go like, oh. <laughs> So a kind word that does something to you, does it? Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death, and that's what James says, that, that tongue, that little muscle in your mouth can spread death to people around you just by saying something negative, untruthful, criticizing someone based on nothing it can spread death physically. Actually, if you speak pleasant language, it increases learning. So, Proverbs 16, 20, pleasant speech increases learning. So, if, if you have nice language to people around you, it actually helps, it benefits yourself as well, and, and you can learn things. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, healthy for the body and soul. So pleasant words is not only for the person that you speak them to, but also to yourself. If you take a spoon of honey every night, it seems to be the best medicine, natural honey, not from Argos, or not from uh, the supermarket, 
but natural honey without additive, edit, whatever, that English, that 300,000 words with the ad, additives, ad, additive. it's healthy. It, it restores your stomach, and it, it, it's good. It's biblical. Eat honey. Pleasant words are like honeycomb. And if you, do, if you do have to correct someone, if you do it in a pleasant way, it's like golden apples served to you on a silver platter. Because people will accept it. And then coming to my jokes and, and so on, it says in Ephesians, do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to need, and the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. I was driving in, to a checkpoint in, in Iraq, and you have all these guys with Kalashnikovs checking you over. And I, I got a little bit tired and nervous, and, and you know, you have that when, you, when someone with a Kalashnikov stands in front of you. And the guy comes to my window and he asks for passport. And I go, okay, here's a passport. And then he turns around and he sneezes. And I say, bless you. And he turns to me and says, are you Christian? Said, yeah, okay, here's your passport and go. <laughs> so it's just a blessing you speak out and it, it helps. <coughs> I came into the office of uh, an Armenian bishop who was very critical. And, and you could see it from his face, just negative, negativity radiating from him. And he must have been thinking, what is this Dutch guy coming to do, see me for? And I, I sat next to him, and I, I started saying, have you lately used the gym? And he goes, the gym? You know, I said, yeah, it looks like your stomach needs some exercise and so. <laughs> and, and he became off friendly and open, and we had a really nice conversation. <laughs> so... According to the need and the occasion, you can crack a joke. And then when, when he let me out of the office, he said, oh, by the way, and he opened the door, this is my gym. So it stuck with him as well. And he shared how he went to America to have a prostate operation, which I wasn't. Like, Why would you share that? But <laughs> he became very open. So we have to mind our tongue. And as an exercise for this week... See if you can bless someone by saying something very positive. I got one more verse. And that is here. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, Don't answer before you listen. And that's when Henny takes over from me. That was shorter than I thought it would be. So, Werner spoke on words, and I would like to say a few words on who and what do we listen to. 
The other week I came across a passage in Genesis 3 where the serpent says to Eve, did God really say? And I thought to myself, if only Eve had not listened to the serpent. But then the serpent would have kept trying until someone listened to him, wouldn't he? Jesus knew how to deal with the serpent. He answered back by quoting scripture to him, and that sent him packing. Perhaps a good idea for us too? If Satan whispers to you, or to me, you'll never be good enough for God, he can't possibly love you, you can quote scripture to him. In John 1.12 it says, Whoever believes in Jesus will have the right to be a child of God. You can say that to him. I believe in Jesus. I have the right to be a child of God. There is nothing you can accuse me of. There is no condemnation, it says in Romans 8, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't listen to his whispers. So I started looking through the word on listening to God and I really got lost because there is so much on listening, so many diamonds we can hold up to the light in the word about listening to God and God listening to us. And then Tanya spoke after the service last uh, week and said that she had a picture of uh, the uh, painting which was done by William Holman Hunt, I looked it up, of Jesus standing at the door and knocking and saying, if you let me in, I'll sit down and have a meal with you. The handle of the door is on the inside. Okay, I'm going to switch this one on. I'm going to sit here. So the handle of the door, can you all see me? is on the inside and we are asked to open the door to Jesus and Jesus actually wants to sit down with us and have a meal with us now Wern and I have sat down almost weekly with a Kurdish family on the floor around their tablecloth and the first uh, times that we came there wasn't an inch on the tablecloth without food, without something. Werner showed me a picture this morning, actually, of friends of ours that they had just put on, on Facebook. They had been invited, and we could tell that this was the first time because there was not an inch of the tablecloth that didn't have food on it. And what is better than having a meal together in order to be relaxed, to talk, and to listen? And I was so encouraged by what Tanya said because the Lord is actually inviting each one of us to sit down with him. Yeah? Just imagine you're sitting down there and he wants to eat with you. He will serve you with the food because he has provided it and he wants you to listen to what he has to say. And I was reading up um, on what he was saying to the seven churches because at the end of one of the churches, he says these words, I stand at the door and I knock. 
I want to come in. I want to have a meal with you. Open the door to me. Open the door to me. So he was saying to Ephesus, I'll, I'll make it very short, I know you endured hardship for my name. Now come back to your first love. To Smyrna, I know you are rich in me. You will face persecution, but stay faithful. To Pergamon, I know you live in a place where Satan is. Get rid of your sexual immorality among you and repent. To Theatira, I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, and your service, and your perseverance. Now, get rid of immoral Jezebel. To Sardis, I know you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, repent. To Philadelphia, I know you have little strength, yet you kept my word, and you have not denied my name. To Laodicea, I know you look warm and poor. Come, buy gold from me, refined in fire, so you can become rich. Then he says these wonderful words. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, anyone... You, me, hears my voice and opens the door. I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, he's been saying some quite serious things to the churches, some positive things, some serious things, and he hopes they are listening. And he still invites them for a meal because he wants to talk things over. He wants to talk things over with us. He wants us to sit, if possible, daily to a meal and hear what he has to say to us. Uh, I had a time in my life when I really felt that the Lord was saying to me, Henny, be a little less Martha and and a a little more Mary. We all know that Mary sat at the the Lord's feet and the Lord said, to Martha, she's chosen the better deal. So for quite some time after that, we had those swatty chairs in our house. They are about this uh, far from the floor. For quite some time after that, I used to sit on the swatty chair when I was praying because I wanted to sit at the Lord's feet. I didn't, I, I felt the need to do that because I felt that was what the Lord was saying to me. Be more of Mary and a little less of Martha. At other times, he has to remind me that there is no condemnation when I I am in him. If we have messed up, we can ask for forgiveness and come to the table for fellowship with him. Each message to the churches finishes with Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let our ears be open to his Spirit. A good thing to say each morning is, Holy Spirit, please guide me today. 
so I can please my heavenly father. And then the promises he makes to the churches. He starts each promise with, to the one who is victorious. To Ephesus, he says, I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Remember that Eve was not allowed to eat from that tree? But once we get there, we are allowed to eat from the tree of life. Smyrna, you will not be hurt by the second death. Pergamum, I will give you hidden manna, a white stone and a new name. Theatira, I will give authority, I will give you authority over the nations and the morning star. To Sardis, you will be dressed in white and your name will always be acknowledged in, in, in my book and before the Father. Philadelphia, you'll be a pillar, pillar in the temple of my God. You will always be there. And the name of the new Jerusalem, this is what Gail was reading, will be on you and a new name. To Laodicea, I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. In Psalm 23, it says, David says, you have prepared a table for me. And in uh, Psalm uh, 63, I want to read to you from the message. This is what I want to finish with. This is what David says. God, you are my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am, in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I'm really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. And I like this, this, this verse. This is Eugene Peterson speaking. I eat my fill of prime rib and gravy. I smack my lips. It's time to shout praises. If I'm sleepless at midnight, I spend hours in grateful reflection. Because you've always stood up for me. I'm free to run and play. I hold on to you for dear life, and you hold me steady as a post. So in the morning, when we get up, or sometime during the day, make sure you sit down with the Lord and listen to him. Bless you.